and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Ryan White. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. The technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market. And they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So, without further ado, it's time to welcome Ryan onto the show. So, Ryan White, welcome to the Science Sport Podcast, mate. It's fantastic to have you in. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, the pleasure is all mine, I'm sure. So, can you give us a little introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Sure. So, I am a PhD student, foremost, um, as part of the CAR uh, group, which is the Carnegie Applied Rugby Research Group based at uh, Leeds Beckett University. Um, I'm embedded within Leeds Rhinos within the first team as a sports scientist. And I've been in the UK now for about two years. Um, previously came from South Africa, where I was uh, doing undergrad and masters, working in predominantly football, uh, and now into into rugby league. Absolutely excellent, mate. So you've got a diverse background in uh, in team sports. Um, yeah. How did you manage to get over here? How did you manage to to trick the government into allowing you in before uh, Brexit <laughs> shut all the borders and stuff? I was uh, I was actually worried about that. Got an, <laughs> um, got an Irish passport, um, so I thought that was uh, an easy way in. But then Brexit happened, um, so it seems alright at the moment. But yeah, it was uh, it was quite quite an intense period trying to plan to come over and plan for the future, etc. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine that's a little bit tricky, but um, yeah. we're we're unfortunately not here to discuss uh, the Brexit situation. Otherwise, we're on a very long <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah. We're here to discuss how technology is is going to change and influence sport over the next years. So, can you give us uh, a little bit of an intro as to like what your research is, and then maybe we'll go into some more specific questions on technology. Cool. So, I think probably the easiest way to start is um, the the general overall umbrella of my PhD is, um, and it's loosely titled Enhancing the Application and Utility of Microtechnology uh, for Training and Monitoring in, in Rugby League. Um, so it obviously covers a huge variety of topics, but specifically I'm, going, I'm focusing on, on the use of GPS um, and we're trying to move past the traditional use of GPS in terms of you know reporting total distances, high-speed running and, and max velocity exposures to trying to dive a bit more into the accelerometer and the uh, geospatial data, so the, the latitude, longitude coordinates of of the players um, being recorded, depend on, depending on the GPS system you're using, but generally at about 10 hertz, so 10 times a second, uh, and trying to dive into that and see what else we can do with that data and how we can how we can use what we're collecting more efficiently and, and glean even more information what we're currently getting. So, like... Straight off the bat, my, my first question is, are, are the accelerometers then reliable enough and is the location data reliable enough to, to do those kind of studies? So I, get, I guess you'd probably say yes and no. <laughs> yes, yes, in that we, we don't have anything better. Um, there is no gold standard per se. Um, the technology is, is improving year on year and year and 
a lot of the companies like Catapult and Statsport, et cetera, they're, they're really pushing the, the boundaries of, of what we thought was possible. Um, I never thought I'd be working with this sort of data even, you know, four or five years ago. Um, so I think that the landscape is, is changing quite rapidly. Um, and in terms of our GPS, there's always going to be room for, for error, um, especially when we're playing in, say, a stadium environment or, you know, we have weak, weak satellite signal that day, depending on where you are. Um, but the, I think the best we can do is just account for, for that error, uh, for the in- inherent error in the system. Um, and yeah, as long as we do that and, Try try as best as possible to make the data we're collecting as reliable as possible. Then I think we're moving in the right direction. Ah, that sounds um, pragmatic, at least. Uh, <laughs> of course, of course, you can't have everything as as valid and reliable as you might like, but at least it's a, a step in the right direction. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that you're, you're trying to do some stuff which is a little bit different and maybe a little bit more innovative. Um, what does that What does that look like for you? So I, I think. When I first started the PhD, I was looking for, for inspiration, and then that came out of some researchers based down in Australia, which are really pushing the, the boundaries in terms of sports data analytics and, and what's going to be the next step potentially in the, in the field. Um, and specifically, a, a researcher called Alice Sweeting, Dr. Alice Sweeting. Um, she's predominantly worked in, in netball with radio frequency data, um, and she developed a, a framework for, for analyzing player movement. Um, so getting in deeper than just the total distances and high speeds, but trying to look at um, a sequence of movements, um, focusing on the direction the players are moving in as well. Uh, and that's kind of, that, that's kind of stimulated the PhD for me and, and, and planted a seed in terms of what the project was going to look like. Um, and at the moment we've just finished our first study and hopefully that will be in publication soon. We obviously need to send it in and go through the review process first, but I think it's looking promising at the moment. Um, and we've basically come up with a new framework and we're going to be proposing that as a, as a new framework for, for team sport, um, taking into account some of the limitations of, of, of GPS. And we found a few ways to overcome those limitations. So hopefully it's going to be quite a, uh, an interesting first step for us. And what, what kind of framework does that look like? What, what is the framework? So at the moment it's term is quite a, quite a mouthful, but it's called sequential movement pattern mining. Um, it's a framework for quantifying spatial temporal data and improving training specificity. Essentially, what we're doing is we're breaking down an athlete's movement into those split seconds, those hertz, those 0.1 seconds. Um, and each of those 0.1 seconds, you can describe an athlete's uh, space and time. So that each 0.1 second is described by what we call a collection of movement descriptors. How fast they're going? What is their acceleration, deceleration status? Are they, you know, are they standing still? Are they busy accelerating or putting the brakes on and then also what direction are they moving in terms of the the angle Um, and once you string enough of these things together you can start looking at sequences of movement Uh, and then we're diving trying to dive into the pattern of how certain players move and how specific players move and we're trying to understand how we can build those patterns around individual players individual positions so we can understand better how they, what strategies they use first, first and foremost within um, match com- uh, within matches to execute the skills they need. But then also, if those patterns are, are repetitive, do they execute the very similar patterns time and time again, um, or do they change them? 
of course, we expect to see a bit of variability, but I think that certain players in certain positions, especially at a professional level, will execute very similar patterns time and time again. Um, and that opens up a whole world of possibilities for what we can do in terms of improving training specificity and, and also monitoring the long term for things like injury risk um, and performance monitoring. This podcast is also brought to you by Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market, developed by the team at Gymware. Flex is the only laser-based training system available, and it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub-500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable, and it's super user-friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. I think that's a, that's a super interesting subject um, and I'm looking forward to hearing more and more from you as you as you manage to keep uh, producing good research on it. So this is one of the technologies that we have at the moment and hopefully you can implement some of those uh, findings in the future for, for some GPS companies. Uh, but what other technology do we have for team sports which allows us to, to really break down what athletes are doing and how we can improve them? So I think... There's quite a few new techs that have come out in the last few years. Um, even within just the, the GPS units we, we have, there's the accelerometers within that and catapults and a few other countries and, and companies have been trying to implement a few measures based upon those accelerometers. Um, so like the IMA, our new system, uh, which gives you kind of like a wang and wheel of, a, of an athlete's movement. Um, also like foot strike, which, which foot are they running on? And, um, so I think that's, that's probably the, the first set that was taken. And then you have companies like player tech coming in, um, player maker, um, which are those, those small accelerometers that strap on the boots, um, predominantly in football at the moment. Um, but they give you a lot more specific indicators of, you know, stride length, stride frequency, intensity of movement, that sort of thing. Um, so we definitely see the use of accelerometers and, and actually quite excitingly, I think, uh, is some of the stuff that's coming out of the NFL. Um, and it's actually slowly making its way into rugby union and, and rugby league here in the UK. Um, we've been working with a company. We're just going through initial phases. So I won't mention who they are or anything. They're not in the, in the market yet. Um, but we're working with a company that's embedded accelerometers into mouth guards, um, which is quite an interesting prospect because it's going to allow us to measure the uh, impacts between players far more accurately than say like a shoulder worn uh, GPS uh, monitor. Um, so I think that's going to open up a wealth of poss- possibility for, for player health, of course, long-term in terms of continuous contact, especially in, in something like rugby league. Um, but then also for training specificity and you know how often and when do we expose our players to contact? Um, so that's another exciting bit of kit that's uh, coming through um and then i think a lot of the stuff is being done in and around uh, camera tracking obviously camera systems are getting far more efficient and much cheaper and, and better as well and we, we might see a world in which you know i, I know a lot of uh, football clubs already don't wear gps systems within stadium environments um, but we're seeing that the camera tracking getting far more accurate um and then also trying to extract uh, external loads, so basically the, you know, how far the players run in a, in a match, or whatever, whatever, directly from from video, which is quite an interesting uh, development that's going on at the moment. Oh, that's a, a ton of super interesting stuff there. 
Um, so how do you think these things are going to change and develop over the coming years? Because we, it sounds like we're in a great place, but obviously like the, the technology front as such moves so quickly. Um, so what do you think this is going to look like in maybe five or 10 years time? <laughs> I think you're probably going to see ecosystems of, of technology. Um, whereas now we kind of have things that work independently of each other. You know, you might have a catapult GPS system and a polar heart rate system. And then you have a, uh, some type of velocity, like a, like a push, a push band velocity thing for within the gym environment. I think you're going to start seeing more ecosystems, um, of technology, which you kind of with one, one maker, um, they make a, a variety of, of wearables, um, and these wearables are going to be small. We've seen them getting smaller and smaller every single year. Uh, but I think they're going to be embedded within within training and playing kit. And eventually the players won't even realize they're kind of wearing all these all these different devices, um, which I think some of them might be happy with. And not, they don't all like to wear uh, the little GPS bibs around the, the, the sports bras. Um, so I think that's the – in the next five to ten years, we're going to see smarter systems, smaller systems, um, more integrated systems, um, probably making it easier for us as sports scientists to be able to pull off data and access data quicker as well. You know, you won't be having to lug around a, a case full of GPS units and plug it into your laptop anymore. I'm, I'm hoping it'll go all Bluetooth and wireless, which will be, will be quite cool, I think. It would save you a lot of effort. I mean, I've, I've also, <laughs> I've also hauled around those GPS kits before and every time you have to take that to the training pitch and have players look at you angrily, it's, uh, it's not super fun. Yeah. Uh, so I know, uh, I know you've also discussed, uh, with me previously about the role of computer learning and artificial intelligence. Um, what do you think the roles are for those two, um, different aspects of technology and how do you think they could impact technology in the future? I think it's, it's quite interesting from a, from a sports perspective, because if we look back, you know, last 10 years, even, even when I started my undergrad in 20, when was it 2012? Um, which seems like a long time ago now. Um, back then, obviously, we had decent computers. We had decent um, processing power. But since then, every year, we just kept moving forward and forward, and our computers get more powerful and more powerful, and we, get a, we have far more tools now in which we can process data far more efficiently. Just the use of you know, R, around, which is a programming language, or Python, um, has exploded in the last few years, specifically within sports science. And I think it's made machine learning very accessible to formal practitioners and it's not once you really get into it and start a deep dive into it it's not as daunting as as it might have been a while you know 15 years ago sort of thing um so at the moment i think we're going to see a lot more innovation within the space with regards to machine learning applications in in sport and i think we've seen that already in player recruitment um, within the Premier League. You always hear those stories about how Mo Salah was recruited. Um, and that's been going on for a few years now. So we, we're kind of reaping the, the rewards of that at the moment. Um, and then I think a lot of the artificial intelligence will probably be applied to, one, to scouting, but two, to injury prevention. Um, and we're going to see an integration in, in camera systems, in player tracking on the pitch, um, and as close to real time as possible. Um, so my kind of fantasy for the future would be sitting on the side of the pitch in the stadium watching game with, you know, a tablet or a laptop there um, with a system that's tracking the players and, and monitoring their movements in terms of their running angles and even, maybe even something as small as, as joint angles. Um, 
and kind of you know flagging players that might be might be lagging or, or might be at a potential risk at, of you know injury or something like that. It's quite quite seems quite far fetched, but I think we will see those systems begin to develop you know within the next five to ten years. I think that's uh, super interesting um, and gives us something to really look forward to as well, and something that we can. <laughs> Yeah, potentially use as uh, as either a niche as practitioners or mm-hmm. as something which could really take our performances as practitioners to the next level. So that's uh, that's really interesting to hear. Um, so just as we uh, get finished, uh, what do you think then we're going to see over that ten year period in terms of different companies coming up? Um, where does the opportunity lie for them? I, th- I think competition is going to be pretty intense. Um, th- there's probably a few companies that hold you know, quite a large market share of, of sports technology. Um, and I think it's going to be tough for them to keep that share purely because technology is obviously improving and there's more and more practitioners out there with a better knowledge of, of how these systems work. And I think people that are now working in the field might begin to de- develop their own systems in the future and start to compete. Um, so I'm hoping the market's going to get a bit more competitive. Um, and I think we've seen like price of GPS units coming down. And, um, I think it might be stat sports. It's even selling individual units you know, and trying to market it to like the amateur, uh, football player or rugby player to, you know, buy your own sports bra, buy your own, uh, small GPS unit is an app on your phone. And now you can monitor your own things. So I think, I think we're seeing that already or the effect of that. Um, so I think we're going to see far more innovation in the space. And hopefully more competitors. I think that'd be really interesting to see. And and I, th- I'm hoping as well more collaboration between sports. Um, so we won't just have you know a rugby dominant uh, company, but we'll have rugby, football, cricket, hockey, all kind of integrating in terms of what they provide for and who they provide for. Mate, absolutely excellent. Could you give us a quick uh, thirty second summary as to what you discussed today? Yeah, sure. So discuss my. My PhD and some of some of the bits and pieces around what I'm currently looking at, specifically with regards to the framework that I'm putting together, the sequential movement pattern mining framework. Um, and then we discuss the the advent of technology at the moment within sport and how all the new technologies are going to be coming about. Hopefully, wearables will be getting smaller. The continued use of accelerometers. Um, specifically wearables, accelerometers, so within mouth guards and uh, on boots and in, in uh, training equipment. Um, and then how machine learning and AI is going to start integrating within sports in terms of recruitment, but also in terms of uh, injury prevention and, and monitoring and performance monitoring. Mate, absolutely ideal. So Ryan, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's great, great being on. Absolute pleasure, buddy. Cheers. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Ryan for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure you do at home too. And before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our agility mini course, which is around two hours of fantastic content, which will ensure that you're completely up to speed on all things agility. And it's broken down into tiny bite-sized chunks, which means that you can consume that in your working week. So if you're interested in the free agility course, be sure to click on the free download of that one in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to post on Instagram with how you're listening and we'll make sure that that's shared with a huge social media audience. So 
get that one on your stories and we'll share it for you. And if you do enjoy it, be sure also to subscribe. You can do that on a host of different senders. And all you have to do is click the subscribe button on whichever one you're listening on. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport and I'll speak to you next week.